toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love be the hope for the children you are listening to be the love transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And if it feels safe and comfortable for you, I'd like to invite you to become centered with us. I'd like to invite you to begin by taking a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out of your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. Take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing out anything you are ready to release. Take another breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself, breathing out the light and love and send it to all of humanity, remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. Today we have Brenda Carey. Brenda is passionate about creating inspiring yoga classes and workshops to connect students to a meaningful and heartfelt experience. Brenda teaches a variety of styles of yoga and meditation while often incorporating Ayurveda, yogic philosophy, spirituality, Native American teachings, sound healing, and Reiki. Brenda is the owner of Sacred Path Healing Yoga and Reiki. She's not only a certified yoga instructor, she's a certified Elise Miller Yoga for Scoliosis trainer, specializing in back care. Brenda's intention is to serve the community to be mindful and authentic creators. Welcome, Brenda, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Stacy and Sam. It's an honor to be here. Wonderful. Thank you. And and so let's just go ahead and jump in. And and I'd like to, you know, just start out by if you could share a little bit more about your journey and what led you to the yoga and healing path. Sure. I would love to share that. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, so like so many people, and I feel this is a very common story, I was in pain. And I was only like 23 at the time, but I felt like I was 83. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of backstory, um, I was diagnosed with scoliosis. Scoliosis is a lateral curvature of the spine with a rotation, usually in the rib cage. Mm. And this progressed over my teenage years. I was diagnosed at about 11, put in a back brace, think plastic corset that just compressed everything. 
and wore that up until about 18 years of age, couldn't just prolong the inevitable. Basically, the curve continued to increase and the protocol at the time uh, was spinal fusion surgery. So basically at 19, and this is back in the early 90s, they pushed my spine over to make it straighter and then put these two metal rods um, along each side of my spine. And it was in most of like the upper to mid back area in the thoracic spine. Uh, interestingly enough, I didn't have any pain before surgery. I had some pain during surgery and I did seem to make this kind of normal progression to recover. But then a few years after, I started getting in the pain in the, in the areas where the rods were not. So a lot in my low back, a lot in my neck, and I couldn't even walk around the block. Like I was just, I was miserable and I was 23. So a friend of mine suggested, hey, I go to this yoga class. I've heard it might help with back pain. Why don't you give it a try? And honestly, I kind of felt like, well, I've got nothing to lose. I didn't want to be on pain medication anymore um, because I'd become dependent on it to just get through the day, basically. And so entered into uh, a yoga class with, okay, I'm, you know, keep in mind I was 23, with an instructor that looked like she was like 100. Like, she looked so old. And I was like, really? And I think every person was probably three times my age. Um, so I'm like, well, I guess I'll try doing yoga with the old people. <laughs> and um, the, the instructor was very kind and very sweet. It was a very slow class. And being in that you know, stage of life, I was not used to doing things quite that slow. And what I found out about myself was a lot of my pain, yes, it came out physically, but so much of my thinking was so negative and just berating. And that was my first realization on my mat was, yes, I now had these new limitations within my body. I had a spine that was immobile, but what was more rigid was my thinking and the beliefs that came out of that rigid thinking. And so it became this slow journey. And I gotta be honest with you, I tell many of my yoga students this, I did not love yoga at first. Like it was this start, stop, start, stop, you know, love it, hate it, because all those thoughts and emotions would flood back in and it was just too much, too much, you know? And so it wasn't until I started getting a little more consistent and then also added a meditation practice, guided meditation. I wasn't good at silence. Um, that's still kind of true today. <laughs> guided meditation is my way to go. And I slowly started identifying these beliefs I had accumulated, false beliefs I would add, I had accumulated over the years. Mm. And many of them stemmed from what I was told by doctors, well-meaning doctors. I'm not placing any blame on them whatsoever. But, you know, as a teenager, I was told, well, there's something wrong with your back. We need to fix your back. Mm -hmm. But as an adolescent, I absorbed that as there's something wrong with me mm -hmm. and I need to be fixed. And that's how I operated from. Like that subconscious belief was how I lived out my life was almost everything that I did, every person I interacted. And I knew that needed to change. 
Tell us a little bit more about that. Let's take a little a dive, um, dive a little deeper into your spiritual transformation and how um, you went from um, the scoliosis and at, I believe you said autoimmunity also at one point. Yes. Um, and so tell us a little bit about how you went through that transformation to overcome the this disease. Yes. So yeah, I would love to share that because I feel as that each each piece and each teacher came to me at the time that I needed. It was really powerful. Looking in hindsight, um, it was a really powerful journey. So the right yoga teachers came into my life and meditation teachers came into my life. And then after I got um, certified as a yoga teacher, which to this day, I still just smile at myself thinking, oh my gosh, the girl with the metal rods is a yoga teacher, right? But I'm proof, I am proof anybody can do yoga. Um, I say, even if you've got spare parts like me, um, it is it is possible. And um, the other piece that came in was as at my first year of teaching yoga, I taught a weekly like gentle class and it attracted a lot of seniors. And there was a sweet woman that came every week to my class. And finally, one time after class, she came up to me with this big smile on her face. And she's like, oh, you would make a lovely Reiki practitioner. I was like, oh, thank you. And then I had to run home and figure out what that was. Because <laughs> I had not heard of Reiki. This is over 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I was in a small town in rural Utah. It just... I had no idea, I didn't know how to spell it. And as we know, it's not very phonetic. So <laughs> it took me a while. And then I realized, huh, maybe this is kind of that other piece. I have this consistent yoga practice and meditation practice, but I still felt like there was a missing piece. Yeah. And so I addressed her the next week and I said, okay, I know what Reiki is now. It's this life force energy that flows through all of us. To me, it's really tapping into my intuition, which I felt I had suppressed for, for so many years because I don't feel like it's something that is normally taught. Um, and so I went down that path with her and she became uh, my Reiki teacher and attuned me to levels one and two. And then later I did my master level with um, a friend of hers because she had retired. Um, she was well in her 80s at that point. So I have some great wisdom teachers for sure. Mm -hmm. But I started incorporating all these elements of what yoga really is. And if, if it's okay, I think I'd like to talk about that because many times when people say, oh, I go to a yoga class mm -hmm. at the gym, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I feel like yoga in the Western mind has been relegated to physical fitness. Mm -hmm. And there's a piece of that. Like, I feel like so many of us are so checked out of our bodies that we need to have those postures and movement called asana to bring that in and to bring us back into our body because we're stuck in our heads somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so we use those postures to move that energy. And that's something that's very needed. Um, but for many people, it just stays there. And it's not until we move a little bit deeper into the mental emotional side where meditation has served me really well. And then it opens us up to this whole other realm of spirit. And it mm -hmm. comes in its own cycle for each person. Um, and so Reiki and 
some other energy work techniques that I learned was that piece for me to draw in the spirit, really trusting in my intuition and using all those and blending them all together. And so I had the yoga postures and the meditation and the Reiki and other energy work and fused it together to really create my own healing. Uh, so it's not to say that I don't ever have back pain anymore. It's not to say that I don't ever have issues with autoimmunity, but I have these really empowering tools that I call upon and I just sense what I need that day. It's not like I have to think about it really hard anymore. And that's the transformation that I love to see in other people. When they finally connect the tools that they need that give them peace and wholeness. And that's essentially what yoga and the big picture really is. It's the state of wholeness. And it looks different for every, every person. But we start to discover what really taps into that heart space and makes us live our best life. I, uh, Thank you. Yeah, I um, I really love that uh, that explanation that you just provided because um, you know when when I got introduced to yoga too, um, it was through the the Western kind of yoga. It was through one of the more known uh, yoga studios in the country, you know, and um, they were pretty much all about sweating, you know, and, and it's a good workout and, yeah. and it is, it definitely is a good workout, but you know, the, 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 the definition of yoga is, you know, movement of life, you know, so it is all encompassing, like you said, you know, with, with the Reiki and, you know, uh, intuitive energy, moving the energy around, um, getting so in touch with, with your body, that you know exactly what it needs when it needs it, you know? And, and to me, that is the definition of yoga, you know? Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and uh, one thing too, if, if you could kind of discuss a little bit more. So I, I do know a couple of people that do uh, have scoliosis as well, and that do mm -hmm. have autoimmune diseases as well. Can you uh, just discuss a little bit more on how yoga, Reiki, you know, being intuitive into your energy and flowing that energy, how it has benefited you um, through your scoliosis, through your autoimmune disorders? Sure. Um, so initially with scoliosis, because that was the first teacher, and I'm going to call them teachers, because I also had to really look at my judgments about pain, because we automatically think, oh, I just don't want pain pain is bad, pain is suffering, let's just get rid of that. And I, I totally empathize with that. But once I began to just become aware of the pain without having the opinions and the stories that went with it, then I could look at it in sort of this witness view and said, okay, what's the message? What's the message with the back pain, with the waviness of my spine? You know, and I started to really integrate that into how I look through my life, the lens of what I look through. And I tell people my wavy spine, and I would encourage anyone with scoliosis to think of it this way. It's not a very Western way of thinking it. It is a reflection of the waviness of either how we think or how we are in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a beauty to that. If you think like ocean waves, 
or if you think like a flowing river, there is beauty in that movement. And so to me, that just opened up to a different view of what was quote unquote wrong with my spine. And just to see it as a part of who I am. And same with the metal rods for anyone who's had some kind of surgery where metal is inserted and now there's this foreign object. How is this a teacher? How is this going to impact my life? Because I can choose to stay stuck. And believe me, I've been there more times than I can count. I can choose to say, oh, I wish I just could move my spine like everybody else can, you know. But the rods are this reminder to me that when I stay rigid in my thinking and when I am not, you know, creating mobility in how I move in the world and how I offer grace and love to others, then I stay stuck and I stay rigid. And that can be a very mental thing for me to stay rigid, you know, to try and, you know, do the same things over and over and expect different results, mm-hmm. you know? So just recognizing the rigidity. Now the autoimmunity, I gotta admit, that's like this other layer that came later in my life. Um, after my second pregnancy with my daughter, I started experiencing a lot of gut issues. And part of it, yes, there was a lot of physical stress. I mean, if you can imagine having spinal fusion and birthing two daughters was a lot of physical stress and the second one, especially. Uh, And then I just also had all the new mental and emotional stress of raising a toddler and trying to take care of a newborn and trying to juggle all the things. And I didn't ask for help. And I was stomaching a lot of emotions that either weren't mine or I just couldn't take in anymore. And so that was the teacher or the realization for me. Like I just kept trying as an empath. I kept taking in people's emotions and saying, sure, okay, I'll take that on. Okay, I can do that too. And just trying to shove it down and in, I was digesting or trying to digest things that I just wasn't capable of at the time. And it really boiled down to self-love and grace and allowing myself to really feel that because I was constantly on this doing mode, get the things done, you know, juggle all the plates that I need as, you know, mom and wife and daughter and yoga teacher and try and do it all and not allow myself the rest and just the, um, yeah, the self-love and acceptance. Uh, So autoimmunity in my gut literally taught me, okay, is this something that I need to take on? Do I need to take on someone else's grief or sadness or whatever it is? And is it really mine? Is that my job really to do that? And that was the process of, and also I did have, I mean, on a realistic level, I had to make some nutritional changes. I mean, that was a part of it too. It wasn't just recognizing the awarenesses, but I think those subconscious beliefs that we hold are key to allow the nutritional changes or doing the yoga postures to actually work within our bodies it has to also be supported with a loving belief of who I really am. And without that, it's like you try one thing and it just doesn't work or you try an herb and it just doesn't work. And believe me, I tried so many things um, over multiple years for trying to get my gut to calm down 
basically. And it wasn't until I started saying no to things that I didn't need to do at all and to have better emotional boundaries with myself and with the other people that I interacted that ever so slowly, the nutritional changes that I made stuck and they worked. Mm. Um, and I still do my best. You know, we all kind of teeter totter sometimes when life gets crazy um, to honor those emotional boundaries of love for myself. And once I fill that cup, then I can authentically give it out to others in my inner circle and then expand. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, it sounds like just such a beautiful journey and learning how to, well, one, recognize your own, you know, what's mine, what's theirs and recognizing, mm -hmm. especially as an empath, not to take it on. Um, and sometimes I think we can absorb things in our environment that we don't even realize we're absorbing yes, and very much. really this um, flow of trying to just, you know, figure out like, yeah, what is theirs? What's mine? Um, and I'm wondering, um, you know, with the, the boundaries, was there, um, where did Reiki and energy work come into play as you were going through this process? Oh, that's a great question. So to work with boundaries, I felt like I had to tap into areas that were energetically what I would call just resistant or stuck. And for me, it was a physical, like kinesthetic kind of movement. I am a person of movement. Like when I get in my body, I spend a lot of time in my head, I admit. But when I get in my body and I activate certain areas that I think either are resistant or kind of have a stuck feeling, then it just frees that energy up. And I include, I'm a big fan of affirmations. I include affirmations to really mentally steal it in. So I have, and I say the affirmations out loud. So I hear myself say it and it moves that energy in the direction where I want it to go. So it's this compilation of, you know, activating the certain energy centers of saying the affirmation, something positive, something in the present, not like a future statement or an I'll try to statement. It's an I am kind of statement so that it is actualized and it is in motion. So it sounds like just coming back to that, um, that, most powerful phrase that we can truly say to ourselves, right? That I am being in yes. that I am presence, that I am statement, because whatever comes after that, it becomes an ownership. Yes, mm -hmm. very much so. And so it sounds like just taking uh, ownership and moving through some of those beliefs and affirming that I am what that is, whatever that came after that um, sounds like a very powerful process for you. Yes, for me, I really had to change the old messages that came from the, you know, I need to be fixed. There's something wrong with me switching that to I am enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I am healed. I am whole. And even though at first it might not have felt true, I kind of just, you know, kind of fake it till you make it for a little while, or I would just try like a little step up. If I couldn't make the big leap from, you know, coming from this, I need to be fixed. And if I couldn't get all the way to I am whole, well, maybe 
there was like an intermediate affirmation of I'm doing the best I can right now. Mm. And that was kind of a segue to raise the vibration even a little bit higher, maybe from I'm doing the best I can right now to mm. um, I am worthy. Mm-hmm. I am I am worthy to be healed and hold. And then I am mm. healed and hold so that there, there is this sort of continuum. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say, yeah, I say these affirmations, but mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like it's not really true. Right. And I will say, and I always say, not yet. Mm-hmm. Not yet, but give it, give it a chance. Not yet. And so we work on like little intermediate steps to get mm-hmm. to, you know, a, a really high vibrating end result. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really important to recognize because sometimes when we start out by saying this affirmation, you know, many people don't believe it yet because they've been telling themselves negative affirmations for so long that when they start to create positive affirmations, it feels very foreign to them. Um, one of the one of my favorite statements to say is um, like with the clients I work with, and you know, if if they're struggling with that, it's you know, well, I am open and willing to start believing this, or I'm open and willing to receive, you know, that. Um, and, and, and so that can be really helpful too. that little stepping stone. It doesn't jump right in and feel really scary. Yes, very much. Just being open and willing is, can be a really positive step forward to creating the transformation that people really want to see. And, and I get it when I first started affirmations, and, you know, I'd be there tapping or moving my body in yoga postures and, and trying to say, I am healed, I am whole. And I'd be like, but my back doesn't feel like that, but my gut isn't telling me that, you know? So it is really envisioning this end result and not just the result, but the emotion behind it. Mm. You know, I would envision the gratitude that would come up, you know, when I would be free of the pain, I would, you know, feel those um, gratitude is a is a powerful emotion, but the joy, not just the happiness. I, I look at it in terms of like expansive joy that would flood my body and really feeling that as I envision, you know, the life that I see, that I truly saw for myself. And then having the patience, um, Alyssa and I still am learning day to day, but having the patience to allow that to unfold at the right time. It might not be my timing. I mean, there are so many times where I'm like, I just want the pain to go away now or yesterday even. Um, But to be in the waiting period and to notice the messages that come up, because I do think, and I know this is is a a sticky thing to say when people are in pain. Um, I don't look at it as necessarily always a lesson, but an awareness. What awarenesses do I need to grow and evolve into the person I need to become because ultimately we are designed to be creators. We're also designed to serve others. And so that's how I really look at my, my whole journey from, you know, scoliosis as an adolescence, you know, going through all the issues of back pain, of being a yoga teacher, trainer of Reiki master, all these little steps I had to take through autoimmunity, which was, a huge awareness for me is like, okay, what things, what awarenesses have come up that I can serve and be of service to others. And that I think is where the who we really are comes out. 
um, when we acknowledge the oneness in every person, uh, where we acknowledge unity and that there is no separation. Mm. We think that there's separation. We think that I'm over here and you all are over there in your little boxes. (laughs) But ultimately and energetically, uh, we are, you know, designed to be in this oneness. And once we let go of that illusion or that veil of separateness, mm-hmm. then we we just know, oh, this is why I went through that. Mm-hmm. But please understand when someone's in the pain, that can be challenging to imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't have ever imagined what would become of the physical and emotional pains that I had gone through over the years. Mm-hmm. Well, Oh, go ahead, Stacey. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say, I, I I could not agree more with uh, with everything that you just said. And, um, you know, with like everything else, you know, it, it, it is a practice, you know, like like you were talking about the affirmations, you know, if if you've never done an affirmation before and all of that, you know, all of a sudden you go to I am whole, I am, uh, you know, beautiful, I am grounded, I am a you know, I'm a God, I am a spiritual being, I am a light being, you're not gonna, you're gonna be like, oh, that sounds like a bunch of crap. <laughs> no. So, and I think, you know, especially with, with us here in our Western society, where it's very uh, instant gratification society, mm-hmm. that a lot of us, and, and, you know, definitely me included, um, we say those affirmations and we expect to immediately feel them. You know, we expect immediately, okay, I, I am abundance. All right. Where's my abundance? You know, <laughs> yeah. bring it on, bring it on. Where is it? Um, but it, it, it is, it's, it's a, it's a practice, you know, there is such a thing as divine timing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so even if you say the affirmation now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen now. You know, and that's kind of the whole, when I started getting into affirmations and I heard the, it is already so, Mm. I really, that really confused me. Like, okay, well, if it's already so, then where is it? Where is it? It's already so in divine time. It's already so in, in our soul's time, you know, that that's might not translate to our, our 3d time right now, but you do have whatever it is you're, you're trying to manifest or you're trying to affirm you just haven't seen it yet, or you know, it's 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 on your path. So um, I do find uh, your perspective of that, you know, very very refreshing. Because, uh, like I said, you know, we we are an instant gratification people, and especially nowadays, we are very separated from each other. You know, um, and we don't have to be. You know, just 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 because you know, right now we're not able to physically, you know, interact with each other does not mean that we have to be separate with each other. You know, our, our, you know, souls are, are, are linked to other souls. You know, we, we're all, we're all from the same, you know? Yes. And um, so I, I, I really do appreciate you uh, saying that because that, that really, really uh, resonates with me. Um feeling like an empath as, as I am too. And, you know, sometimes you do feel like, okay, well, what's, you know, what's, what's, what's going on? <laughs> you know, well, why, right. what, why are we taking on all this stuff? Um, 
but yeah, it is, it's a, it's, it's a process, you know, and it's a slow process and it's a process that you need to take your time on. Yes. Just like with anything else. So, um, so another thing I would like to, to know too, and I think uh, a lot of us from, you know, our generation and generations past, we were brought up in a organized religion, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for me, for me, it was Christianity. And, um, Unfortunately, with some organized religions, they do kind of promote the separation, right? So for you being brought up in an organized religion, you know, how were you able to um, kind of go from that to like an earth medicine based practice and kind of get away from the separation into the togetherness? Mm, I'm smiling so big right now because I'm so excited to share this with all of you. So I didn't necessarily grow up in a Christian tradition. I was surrounded by Christianity and I came to Christianity in my college years. I was in this spiritual seeking mode and I feel like I adopted what was the most common denominator in the area where I was living, but it never settled well. Like I was always asking questions and I was always wondering where are the women? And I, I just, and I agree with you, there was this feeling of, of separation. And, but I still participated along because there was beauty in the Christian tradition. Like I still say, uh, I, I love the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some beautiful lessons of love. I mean, just total unconditional love. I don't necessarily always agree with the way that how the church interprets the Bible, mm-hmm. um, but I have great appreciation for Christian t- traditions. The shift for me happened when I started volunteering for a nonprofit organization called Adopt a Native Elder. It's out of Utah. And if, if people are listening, if you get anything out of this, please look up Adopt a Native Elder. It's one of my most beloved nonprofit organizations. And I started out as a volunteer and it serves the Navajo people on the reservation. So it's based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. They gather donations, food, medical supplies, and they serve the elderly, also some of the children as well, on the reservation. And groups of volunteers go down to the land. They weren't able to do it this past year, but hoping that will change. Um, And be able to be of service to these Navajo elders and their families. And so I went from being a volunteer to actually being an employee of who is the director. Her name is Linda Myers. And she would take me into some of their hogans. And so these are the traditional structures that they lived in with dirt floors and coal burning stoves at the center, very small. And to this day, um, I remember this one home visit that we did. And there was many I remember, but there's one that always sticks out in my mind. And this was the shift for me. And we went into this elderly woman's home and Linda always came to her Hogan to buy these traditional skirts. She sewed, she had like, oh my gosh, the sewing machine looked like from like the 1900s, I think, (laughs) like this antique thing. And she sewed these traditional skirts and she would come and purchase them. And then Linda would give them away to other elders to distribute them on the reservation. And so we got to sit with her in her home And we had a translator, of course, because she doesn't speak English. It's all in Navajo. And I realized as I'm looking at her 
and noticing her glazed over eyes that she's blind. She's sewing these skirts and she can't see. And so I asked the translator to ask her for me. I said, how can she sew these skirts? And how, I mean, she lives independently in this Hogan. How does she cook and take care of herself? And she's legally blind. And she said to me, and I'll never forget her when she's looking at me, even though she's blind, like I felt like she could just see through me. And she says, spirit guides me. Spirit guides me in how to, to make the skirts and how to make my food, you know, and all the needs that I have, spirit is always with me. And I thought, now she is God speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And I still get teared up when I, when I think about that, because then it, the light bulb struck like, okay, God isn't in a church. God isn't in a physical structure. God is in people. And when we again, lose the veil and lose, you know, this separation between I'm this white woman over here and here's this Navajo woman over here. And we really look and see one another, that veil totally disappears and all there is is oneness. Mm. So even though I feel like my words aren't describing the situation, it's more of an experience than than a than a, a verbal verbalized story. But when she said that to me, it was like the veil disappeared. And all I saw was our oneness in this little hogan and a dirt floor, you know, on the Navajo reservation. And I have such great appreciation, you know, for the work and um, of Adopt a Native Elder and just all the Navajo people that I met and opened my eyes to a different way of looking at spirit um, that was more connected to the earth. Um, they love their land down there. It's beautiful. If you ever get down, so just to give some logistics, the Navajo area is like south, um, southeastern Utah, uh, northeastern Arizona, kind of in that four corners area. And uh, so this was in more the northeastern section of Arizona near Chinle, um, where we were. And I got to see just be invited into so many Navajo family homes. And just they welcomed me And what a gift that was that they came, you know, and said, welcome, you know. That's, uh, that's amazing. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing the, the lessons you learn and how like profoundly your eyes open when you interact with, uh, you know, the indigenous people, Yes. you know, um, I am also a Native American and um, in my teenagers, I went to a sweat lodge and it was, it was just, it was amazing how it's just, it's so simple. You know, it's, that's, that's what always gets me is how amazingly simple it all is, you know, and that we, we, we are the ones, you know, our, our minds, our, our ego minds are the ones that complicate it. But then like you said, with the, um, with the elderly Navajo woman, all she had to say was spirit guides me and boom, you know, your whole world just opened up and it's always, it's, it's just so amazing to me to hear just the indigenous people speak. Cause I mean, um, it really doesn't matter where you go. They all kind of have the same message, you know, mm-hmm. they have light. And like you said, we are God, we are pieces of God. Yeah. 
So why not have God communicate through us and take care of us? Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me too of a, um, something I heard the other day that, you know, where the different perspectives that we have, like with our culture, Western culture, it's more about, um, you know, doing things because we, um, you know, more consumerism and, you know, the, doing more the better kind of thing. And indigenous people have more of the mindset of, I have an obligation and to take care of my people. And mm -hmm. so it, it becomes more of this, um, where we have this more, you know, idea of separation um, because we're so focused on the end goal mm -hmm. there, you know, more of the, um, connection and, and oneness. And so hearing that sounds really profound, which also reminded me of a Rumi quote you may have heard. Um, you know, I, I looked for spirit or I looked for the divine in mosques, churches, temples, and I found it the divine in my heart. Yes. And so it's really not seeking it outside of ourselves, but seeking it within, um, yes. within ourselves and how we can connect with each other and the earth. And I'm just curious if you can talk a little bit more about um, how that maybe earth um, medicine experience or um, just working with, you know, the indigenous people, if that had any impact on your own healing and, and what that, how that may have contributed to that. I think initially it was the spiritual shift of what I thought spirituality was, how I put it in a box basically, and put it, you know, and then put it on a shelf. And that's how I identified. So opening up my ideas of seeing spirit in all things, mm. um, and really connecting back with nature. Um, mm. And so being in nature is extremely healing, as many people know, and I am an avid hiker. And that is a part of my yoga. Mm. I, I know people think, oh, wait, that's not like yoga because that's not meditation or I'm like, no, walking in nature mm. is, is my yoga because it brings me to this place of wholeness. Mm. The other healing aspect that I think was so important in my time with the Navajo people is the idea of time. And this is still something I wrap my brain around because it's one of those things where I'm like, I get it. Because when I go down to the Navajo land and it's been, it's been a while now. It's like time has a different feel. If I, and this is where words escape me a little bit, but you know, when I'm here, I'm like, okay, everything's very linear. You know, I have to do this. It goes in this kind of order, past in the present, thinking about the future. Uh, but down there, it's like cyclical. It feels like everything kind of weaves into one another, which weaves into the other. And this is where language, I get a little tripped up on trying to explain it that it's almost like the past, present, and future just meld into this one sort of being. Mm. And it's almost as if time stands still in a way, it's this great presence. And when I was with the elders, especially the ones that hold the traditional wisdoms of that culture and speak the original language and do the traditional weavings, like they get that because they are that. Um, it's it's not just it's just something they live because that's who they are mm. and so when in that kind of energy of just seeing time in a different way 
not, you know, I got to do this and get to this and move forward to do that, but just in this state of being, of this cyclical nature of time, that's where healing and wholeness can also just naturally emerge. It's not like I have to try and do these things to heal so mm. that eventually I get to this, you know, this place. It just comes out of a state of being, of being fully present. Mm. And that was, that was a huge kind of revelation for me. Like, hmm, how do I think about time and how do I live my time? Is it in worry? Am I worrying about the next thing or planning for the next thing? Is it lamenting about the past or, oh, I should have said that, or, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, so really being present and nature draws us into that presence. I think when we really, you know, sit by a river or observe the beauty of the leaves, you know, falling from a tree, whatever it might be for us, that brings us back to that essence of spirit and we kind of lose track of what we call time. That, that's really profound because when we do and we step out of time, because, um, you know, healing can really begin. It's so linear, you know, the time that we are, the way our mind thinks, oh, we have to have this done in a certain amount of time or, but when we are present, we can, focus on how the cycles of the earth are, you know, mm -hmm. are being created, we can tune in and tap into the, the cosmos in a very, you know, in, in that healing can occur, I think, a lot deeper. Yes. Um, and it also, sorry, I, I say it also acknowledges that I don't need to be in control. Mm. You know, that's why so many times in my yoga classes, I have, you know, put a hand on our heartbeat and like, look, I don't have to control my heart beating. It does it because that's what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are designed to be in wholeness. And how do we find that equilibrium again to come back to the wholeness? And it looks different for every person. Mm -hmm. But so often when I'm in nature, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't need to try so hard. I don't need to be control of every little thing and what a gift and what, you know, peace just kind of washes over me when I really recognize and embody that truth of, I don't, I don't need to be in control. And just allowing and letting it go. And yes. Just, yeah. Being in, in the flow. I think that helps to kind of move your energy into the flow a lot more gracefully. Yes, so true. Definitely. And uh, I also do um, love how you said, you know, that you, uh, when you go out for hikes, that, uh, you know, that is also um, yoga, you know, uh, uh, considered yoga for you. And uh, Stacy and I are also both fortunate to, to live in a state to where, you know, we have the mountains and the forests and, and things like that. So we can go out on hikes and nature trips and kind of reconnect that way. Um, but for, for the people that are listening that unfortunately don't have that luxury, you know, that are living in, in, in the cities and really not able to get out into nature, can you um, kind of discuss how, how they can, they and the rest of us can do a at-home practice, you know, to kind of connect with the true essence of yoga 
and maybe mm -hmm. some some simple steps that you could provide to embrace the yoga the yoga tradition for us? Sure. So in terms of connecting with nature, I mean, I've I've lived in bigger cities as well. And sometimes it's just a matter of looking at a starry night sky or a full moon, you know, even if it's out the window, like sometimes I feel like our domestication and just always feeling like we have to be in a, a safe box or a room, we forget the expansiveness of who we really are. Mm -hmm. So even if you have a chance to look out at um, the moon or the stars or a blue sky, um, to me, that's just a small way that we can still connect uh, back in with nature. And then in terms of yogic practices, I always say mindfulness is key. Mm. And there are, there are two ways. One is with a person. And for me, I truly believe that every person just really wants to be heard, not judged, but just really listened to. So when you're with someone, I say, really listen. And for so many of us, you know, as we're listening to the person, we're trying to like think of what we're going to say when, they're get, when they get done talking. But I'm like, try and, you know, just really be with that person, absorb every word they say, and don't feel obligated to say anything back. You know, just be with them in that moment. That is mindfulness. That is yoga. And then whatever, oh, chore, like I always have laundry to do instead of kind of thinking about other things while I'm trying to do the laundry or fold the laundry, I just be with folding my laundry and just take that one shirt and notice its color, notice the texture. Sometimes I even notice the tag and where, like where that shirt was made. I send blessings to the person in Indonesia or wherever country it was. And I fold the shirt, you know, it's just really being present with the one thing. And I think that can just, I don't know, calm a person to a place of being in that state of yoga or wholeness. So those are some like little things to do throughout the day. Absolutely. I think those are some beautiful ways to really stay present because I think we are, you know, a lot of us have the racing minds, you know, we all have thoughts. I mean, you know, we all have like, thoughts that feel like they're, we don't have control over them and realizing that, you know, our thoughts are not in control of us. And when we can start to really get present um, in our, you know, everyday activities, everyday, you know, house chores and, um, or just being, you know, in nature, wherever you are and not focus on what you're going to do next, but just being present with that, it can totally shift your, your thoughts, your consciousness, your energy to you know just be and um it makes such a huge difference in how we live yes so and, true and so i'm wondering um i know you mentioned that you would like um that you have an energy technique that you'd like to share with us um, for our listeners wondering if you could um share that with us Sure. Um, as mentioned before, I like to do different energy work techniques that activate certain uh, areas of the body and then add in affirmations. It's kind of like a mental sealing it in. So one of my favorite ones, and one that I can explain well without needing the visual, uh, is a thymus tap. 
and I'll add in some affirmations. So your thymus is located just below the collarbone at the center. So you have this bony notch there. That's kind of an indent. And just below that is the thymus gland. It's actually a gland and it's associated with your immune system, uh, your endocrine system. And so we're going to activate it by either making a light fist or you can use the tips of your fingers and you're slightly tapping. I like to make like a little circle around that area. And it may even be tender. Like if your immune system is depleted or if you're feeling really fatigued, I would just say tap very lightly. It's not meant to be anything pounding or anything like that, but just stimulating that gland. And then taking a couple of deep, deep breaths. And then feel free to either let these affirmations just wash over you, or you can say them out loud or to yourself, whatever just feels right for you. I am healthy and whole. I trust in my body's innate wisdom. I speak words of kindness and love. I am enough. And from the top again, I am healthy and whole. I trust in my body's innate wisdom. I speak words of kindness and love. I am enough. And finally, I am. Deep breath in. Exhale it out. And then just discontinue the tapping. Place your hand on your heart and really connect in to the rhythm of your heart beating. Recognizing the miracle that you already are. You don't have to do anything to make your heart beat. It's designed to be in this rhythm for you. Final deep breath in, releasing exhale. Namaste. 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 Thank you so much for taking us through that. That was beautiful and so powerful. And I've, um, I've read over the years um, that the thymus gland tends to shrink as the older we get. So yes. by doing that exercise, it helps to actually um, stimulate it, like you said, but, you know, can help it to um, grow a little bit more and, and 
so people can regrow that because it is a big part of our immunity. Yes. Yeah. And just the powerful affirmations that are there um, and really connect to our, um, just our conscious, our psyche as we are tapping um, into that energy, energy um, spot. So, so yeah, thank you. So You're welcome. My pleasure. And so, Brenda, tell our listeners how they can find you and what you're currently working on. Hmm. Uh, well, as you mentioned before, I'm the owner of Sacred Path Healing Yoga and Reiki. Um, my offerings are listed on my website, which is sacredpathyogaandreiki.com. Uh, I have, as I said, I blend yoga. Reiki, meditation, um, all different forms to create, or I say co-create healing and wholeness. I also have some guided meditations on Insight Timer. So if you have that app, that's um, a free app uh, for those guided meditations. That is one of my favorite favorite meditation apps. I think they're, they're, yeah, they've got a plethora of meditations on there. <laughs> yes. So. If, yeah. If you search me under insight timer, Brenda Carey, um, I pop you. up on there. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Brenda, so much for being here with us today. And thank you for sharing your experience with us. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you like this show, share the love by sharing it with your friends. If you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other's, and love the world. And we love you. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.